Once again, good morning, early afternoon to everyone. My name is Jeff, one of the elders here at the church. This is Justin Bubar. He's going to be uh, delivering the word for us today. Uh, Justin is a guy uh, who actually serves as our Connect coordinator. So if you are uh, somewhat new, you have talked to Justin most likely. And if you've been here for a while, you've also talked to Justin. He's uh, one of the friendliest guys. And I know that he loves this church dearly and loves the people of this church. And uh, he desires to serve Christ with his life. So uh, he's going to deliver it for us today. But I thought I would... Uh, uh, pray for him as we begin. He also is a community group leader on Tuesday nights with his wife, Jenna, who is serving on the hospitality lead today. So um, yeah, if you would please join me as we pray for Justin in this time. Father, thank you for um, this man's heart. Thank you for his love for you and how he, he desires so much for people to know your word better and better each and every day. I'm thankful for the time that he has spent to prepare this for us to hear from you. Uh, grateful, Lord, that you speak to us through your word. Thank you for this gift. I pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive this message from you. We're grateful for how you use Justin and, and how you've uh, allowed us to uh, witness his love of you in, in this church. We trust you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You hear me? If you can hear me, give me an amen. Amen. All right. Um, again, good morning, Maranatha. So glad to be here. I'm privileged to uh, preach to you all today and uh, deliver God's word to us. Um, for the next two weeks, we're going to be in between our sermon series from Jonah, which we just finished, and uh, into Ruth in a, in a couple of weeks. But Pastor David will be here next weekend uh, delivering the word, and it's going to be a treat for us. Uh, today, our passage is in Romans chapter 12, uh, specifically verses 1 and 2, as you can see on the board. And um, the title of our sermon is A Living Sacrifice. Today we find ourselves in the application section of the book of Romans, speaking more about the behavior of those who are called out as righteous, that being Christians. So now please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And as you do so, uh, as always, the passage will be on the screen here. And if you need uh, a Bible, it's in front of you in the pews, and it should be on page 891. Now, a reminder to anyone, if you need a Bible, we encourage you to take it home with you if you need at home, or if you find someone who actually needs one, a friend or family member, please, staff, elders, we all encourage you to take those home because we desire to have God's word at home with you as well. So now if you're able, uh, please stand in reverence for God's word as I read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 aloud. Starting in verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore... Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That being tested, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, before we dive into the text... Let me pray for us in our time together. Lord, you are holy and perfect and righteous. Thank you for allowing us to gather together amongst the saints. We pray that you would use this passage to encourage us in our walk with you. Stir our affections for you, our desires for you. Open our eyes and our ears and hearts to receive your word with gladness. Convict us where we need conviction and encourage us where we need encouragement. Open our eyes that we may behold the wonderful things of your law. Thank you for this day once more. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, we begin 
in the, almost the end of Romans, uh, Romans, the book of Romans in chapter 12, uh, with Paul transitioning from more of a teaching role to more of an ex- exhortation role. So he's exhorting them now. He's, he's taught them for 11 chapters, and the next three chapters, 12 through 15, he's exhorting them um, in light of the, the previous 11 chapters to respond to the message of the gospel. And he starts with this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... Now, this is the ESV, that the NASB translation says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren. Paul does not come at them with a command. Rather, he appeals to them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He very well could have commanded them, but he chose not to here. Now, other, other places in Scripture we see Paul with the Ephesians. He says, I urge you, in, in Ephesians 4, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And we even see that Paul understands his apostolic authority and that his words have weight. And he could have commanded them, like he told Philemon. And he says, therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you or to command you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Paul is showing these Roman Christians his affections for them. Rather than an authority figure telling them to go and do this thing. Now, right before this, in chapter, 13, chapter 11, right at the end of chapter 11, verse 36, Paul says this, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, Paul is, again, transitioning from his teaching. He ends with a doxology, which is an expression of praise for God. Everything we have is from God. So he deserves all the glory. So Paul is appealing to them, By the mercies of God, which we're going to get to in a moment, he's reminding them that everything is from God. All the glory should be his. It is his. So he continues on. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, these mercies of God we see in the previous 11 chapters of Romans. And these these chapters are packed with doctrinal truth. And specifically, truth surrounding the mercies of God and God's righteousness. The mercies of God are referring to the undeserved kindness of God that he shows towards sinners like us through Christ. It's one of Paul's main themes so far in this letter. Some of those mercies include, and it's not exhaustive because we don't have all the time in the world, but because uh, there's 11 chapters to go through, but some of those include our justification from guilt and the penalty of sin, God's sovereign grace in salvation, even in our depravity as people. Because Romans 3 tells us that all have turned aside. No one understands. No one is good. No one seeks after God. We are unable to come to God in ourselves because of our sin. But Christ died for the ungodly and sinners. We were reconciled to God while we were enemies of him. Romans 1.16, the power of God in salvation, which gives us assurance because we know that it is God from start to finish in our salvation. Jonah told us the salvation is from the Lord. Amen? We have the gift of faith. We are saved by grace and not by works, so we can't boast. And because of all these things, we, have, we are no longer condemned. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because of Christ. Now, if we could pack all this together, if we get one simple truth from, from the previous 11 chapters of Romans, it would be this, that the greatest mercy that we receive from God is the gift of salvation. Salvation is a gift purchased by Christ himself. He died for his church. He bled for it. 
We are saved by grace, and that grace is unmerited. We never deserved it. We don't earn it. That grace is both the means and the motivation for following Paul's exhortation here. The mercies of God enable us to serve God and should motivate us to serve God out of gratitude. This is what Paul is getting at here. Telling them that now by the mercies of God, they are to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, Paul is no stranger to this type of language of presenting our bodies or telling us to present our bodies both in the spiritual sense and the physical sense. Earlier in Romans chapter 6, he says, present your bodies being brought from death to life as instruments of righteousness. And he tells the Corinthians, he says, you were bought with a price, so glorify him in your body. The precious blood of Christ was the price. Now this goal, the goal of the action of presenting our whole selves to God is to please him. But we must not forget that the only way that sinners can come to a holy God as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing, that is holy and acceptable, is because of the only truly holy and truly acceptable sacrifice in Christ. Amen? On our own, our deeds and service are stained with sin. Before Christ, our good works were filthy rags in God's sight. We could not offer him anything good because there was nothing good in us. But now through Christ, because of his righteousness that he's imputed to us, he's put on us, we are called as righteous. We are the righteous ones now. Here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul's readers and hearers would be pricked by this phrase, living sacrifice. They would have vivid imagery in their minds of what that meant because of the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now, this idea of being a living sacrifice is very striking in the verse, but it captures the essence of Paul's point here, which is the expansion of their idea of worship from a very limited place in life of of Israel to an all-encompassing application in the life of every believer. The Jewish sacrificial system was very limited in scope. Only certain Israelites, as we know, the priests and high priests were allowed to serve over sacrifices, which had to be made in certain ways with certain items. And even then, only in the temple. Paul has taken this sanctified element of this worship and applied it to every part of the believer's life. Worship for the believer now involves all places in all times. For us too, we can, we can be challenged by this in our, our idea of what worship is. We may at one time or another have thought of worship to be only confine, confined to Sunday, Sunday gathering, right? We may be grown up and they're like, we're going to go worship the Lord this weekend. Rather, Paul is not saying that. He's saying it encompasses our whole life and our whole being, mind, body, soul, That is worship of God. Scripture does not confine worship to be a Sunday morning thing. So we shouldn't treat it as that either. Being a living sacrifice is marked by service to God. 
And this service is our spiritual worship, right? How do we serve God? With our bodies, with our time, talent, finances. We serve God with our whole selves. Continuing on in the text of verse 2, Paul tells us to not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Now, where else do we see this idea of not conforming to the world in Scripture? Well, we see it in 1 Peter, where Peter says, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We were all once ignorant in our sin. Peter tells us not to go back to that. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance or the, or the ignorance of your youth. There's no excuse now for those in Christ. 1 John 2 tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. Maranatha, since God has set us apart, not just us, but every believer across the whole world, for holiness, we are not to dabble in the things of the world. The worldly passions we once enjoyed, we should run from. We should flee from them. We are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Now, how does this happen? How do we renew our minds? Well, it is the gracious work of the Holy Spirit by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit who, through our inner selves, is renewed day by day. We are being renewed in the spirit of our minds by the Holy Spirit when we put on our new self because of Christ. Now, again, we are being renewed in knowledge. And how does it happen? It was in our minds. In today's times, we might think, we might be more likely to speak of a change of heart rather than the renewal of our minds. But Paul, however, doesn't say that. He says to renew our minds. He calls us to permit the Spirit to transform our minds, knowing that the person who learns to think godly thoughts will soon experience a changed heart as well. When we saturate our minds with the word of God, by reading it, by studying it, by meditating on it, and by praying through it, it will ultimately change the way we think and how we act. Because we see God and who he is, and that's we love God and we love our neighbor, right? It flows from our knowledge and our love for God is how we treat people, how we act, how we worship with everything we have. The verse continues on and says this, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, the renewing of our minds is enabled by the Holy Spirit through reading, studying, meditating on Scripture, not on the world or the things of the world. We used to love the world. It was easy for us. Sin was our master and we chose him every time and we gladly did it. That's all we knew. But Christ is our king. He is our master now. We are slaves to Christ. We're no longer slaves to sin. But we are free now. This slavery is actually freedom and not confinement. As we once were slaves in bondage to our sin. But God has, has given us new life. Has, has made, brought us from death to life. Given us his righteousness. Amen. Now through this, through the reading and studying and meditating of Scripture, it, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He helps us to discern what the will of God is for our lives. And because God is good, and because He is perfect, 
His will are those things. He is those things. So everything he does for us and for himself is good and perfect. The will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And we should do our best to read, study, meditate on Scripture, pray through what is the will of God for our lives. So Maranatha, I ask you today, are you offering your whole self to God as a living sacrifice? Or do you hold back certain, you compartmentalize your life, and you say, Lord, this is, this is mine still. This isn't yours, I can't let you have that. Are you offering all of you to the Lord? Mind, body, soul to God because he's purchased you on the cross. He's given you new life. He's given you eternal life. Justification, we talked about the mercies of God earlier, the justification from sin. Salvation in our depravity, who, people who are unable to come to God, he has given it freely to us as a gift. Amen? So Miranatha, another question, something for us to think about this week, apart from just offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. We may have thought of this before. Maybe we've even said this to, to people where we're like, I would die for Christ. I would die for him. I think we should think more to the side of, not that would we, would we die for Christ, but will we live for Christ? Will we live for Christ as he gives us breath in our lungs? He sovereignly allowed you to wake up this morning and come to Maranatha and, and sing and praise him. Everything is the Lord's. We are to offer ourselves and everything we have back to him. Amen? Maranatha, I pray that we listen and we heed the words of Paul. We actually believe them. And then we remember the mercies of God in Christ. And then because of those things, in gratitude, we offer our whole selves to him as a living sacrifice in every area of our life and hold nothing back. So again, Maranatha, this week and every week after, Remember Christ. Remember his, who is rich in mercy has saved us and given us everything we have for life and godliness. Amen? Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for everything, Lord. Thank you for the breath in our lungs, our families, our work, the ability to come here and safely worship you. Thank you for reminding us of your great mercies. Thank you for reminding us of your, of your son's life, death, and resurrection, giving us salvation through. Lord, I pray that you would stir our affections for you, move us out of gratitude to offer our whole selves as a living sacrifice to you. We would live our lives as ambassadors of your son, being made holy and acceptable by Christ. What a gift we have. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all this. We pray all these things in your son's precious, precious name. Amen.